to the podcast where together, every Monday, we explore hospitality in its very broader sense, from culture and cooking, cocktails and coffee, nutrition and farming, politics and animal welfare, organic and sustainability, family and business, entrepreneurship, and much, much more. Come and learn with me, Mark Cribb, about where our food and our drink comes from and the businesses and more importantly the human beings that thrive on where we decide to spend our time and our money. Sign up to our weekly newsletter at humansofhospitality.co.uk and hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice. This week's guest is Ben Tish, the culinary director of Norma Restaurant on Charlotte Street and the Stafford Hotel London in St James, both in London's West End. Now, although originally from Skegness, he's probably understandably more obsessed with Sicily and one day would love to move there. This has had a huge influence on his favourite style of food and he's even written an awesome book called Moorish that you should definitely check out. It'll make you hungry. The photos of the dishes are incredible and capture the vibe of the bold spices and sun-soaked exotic tastes of North Africa combined with the sun-kissed shores of the Mediterranean. I would love to be sat by the ocean in Med right now, especially since it's raining, but that's kind of tricky. So perhaps a trip to Ben's newish restaurant, Norma, will have to suffice. Now, Ben is actually only a chef because of fellow Skegness buddy, Jason Atherton, who, if you're listening, Jason, really should come on the podcast. Now, Jason got Ben his first chef job, but I'll let Ben tell you the story. We also touch on his time at the Salt Yard and how a big influx of cash that he hoped would sort out his financial and restaurant dreams ended up ruining his love for the business and led to him planning on heading out on his own. But now he's found the best of both worlds, a good level of investment and the chance to open restaurants serving his style of food, including his latest venture into the world of dark kitchens and delivery through Gallio, a Mediterranean pizza idea that Ben has been working on. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the chat and hearing all about Ben's hospitality adventures. And if you do, don't forget to pick up the device you're listening on, scroll down in the app until you find the review section and hit five stars. And if you can, even leave a few words. The more good stuff you say, the better guests I can get on the show and the more we all learn together. Easy. Thank you. Ben Tish, thank you so much for joining me uh, on the podcast today. Hugely appreciated. Can I just ask, where in the world are you, Ben? Are you at work or are you at the home? Or? Yeah, no, I'm at work. Um, I'm sat in uh, the private dining room at Norma, uh, which is our restaurant in Fitzrovia. Okay, very nice. That's the one. Is that the top floor, is it? Am I right in saying five floors or something? Yes, it's the top floor where we serve customers. Yeah, there's another floor above us, but that's our kind of staff and offices. But yeah, it's the, uh, it's the, top, it's the top floor for customers. Yeah, when I read five floors, I, I've got a restaurant just just with a couple, well, three levels really. We've got a sort of first floor restaurant, mezzanine, ground floor, and and, and all that. It just anytime I see a restaurant on multiple levels, it makes me have a little panic attack about the fact the dumb waiter only ever breaks down on a Friday and Saturday night. Oh, yeah. uh, is that is that the same with you? Yeah, very much so. In fact, our dumb waiter doesn't even come up to this floor, um, so it only goes to the ground floor. The kitchen's in the basement, obviously, um, and then we have our ground floor. And first floor, a kind of seating and bar, and the dumb waiter goes to those, but dumb waiter doesn't reach the PDR floor, so um, wow. the waiters have, to, waiters have to go up to two, two, three floors to uh, take the private dining food. But there you go. Oh um, wow! Yeah, is that is yeah. that sort of the punishment shift? Yeah, that's punishment shift. It's, it, you know, it's, a be- it's the, 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 there's a lot to be said for having a beautiful uh, Georgian townhouse as a restaurant, but there's also uh, there's clearly some negatives about it as well in terms of logistics. So um, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the difference between the customer and the operator, I yeah, think, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Where yeah. you go, yeah. Oh my god, that's that's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, we uh, we share a, a childhood upbringing in seaside towns as well, I think, Ben. So I'm a Bournemouth boy down on the coast, and you were a Skegness boy, is that right? Skegness, yeah, yeah, Skegness, born, born and bred. Um, and yeah, lived there till I was 18. Wow. Um, yeah, well, no, 17, actually. I mean, it was, it was literally, I wanted to get out as soon as... I possibly could. Um, not that you know, I, I lived there and all the rest of it, but it was. I'd had. A, I always had a fascination with London um, from from an early age. I was kind of going to London from like the age of thirteen, fourteen, with my mates to kind of buy uh, records and clothes and things like that. You know, day trips and whatnot. And I just, I just, I've got to move to London. Whatever it, whatever I do, whatever it takes. And so, um, yeah, that, but, I left. 
yeah, but so I left, yeah, but yeah, you know, Skegness, love it, yeah. I mean, go back as probably not as regular as I should. My family's there, but yeah, no, I, it's so it's, it's, it's a it's a lovely little place. Got a lot yeah. of memories. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I don't know it. I'd say I, I lived in London for ten years as well, and uh, and ended up back in Bournemouth because I quite like living by the beach and, and walking my dog along yeah, the sound. But yeah, uh, I don't but I, I don't know Skegness, but I'll get there one day. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. So um, your role then, culinary director of, of Norma and the Stafford Hotel. For those listening um, who don't know those venues, can you just explain a little bit about them, where they are, what they do? Yeah, sure. So um, we'll start with Stafford, uh, Stafford London, which is a old, uh, a very old school, beautiful old school hotel in uh, the heart of St. James's, um, just off Green Park. Um, and yeah, it's it's quite a historic hotel. It's got kind of royal connections. Um, it's, you know, the, it, it, it's charming in, 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 in lots of ways. Um, you know, a lot of the staff have been there for years and years and years. You know, there's a master sommelier that's been there for 45 years. Yeah, is it Gino? Is that right? Uh, yes, it's Gino. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it looks incredible, the cellar. Oh, I had a little look on the website earlier yeah, and I thought, oh my God, it looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, the, cell, the, the cellar's amazing. I mean, it really is a kind of an attraction. You know, it's kind of cavernous, spans the whole basement of the hotel. Um, and it's like, you know, um, art, you know, caves and kind of cobwebs and lots of kind of Chateau Latour, you know, sixty fours or whatever it is. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's, it's incredible. Um, and uh, so yeah, so food, kind of F and B wise, there. There's um, the Game Bird Restaurant, which is kind of a mo- uh, I, I, it's a British restaurant. I wouldn't say it's a modern British restaurant. It's a British restaurant. Um, we do kind of you know. Uh, classics um we think we do them pretty well there so you know steak and kidney pudding um you know we do uh we have like a smoked salmon trolley lots of table service although there was we're <laughs> address address a lot of that now but um yeah. it's an old school but it's it's done in a in a kind of a cool kind of contemporary uh way but the but the, but the food is the, the the food is you know kind of um steeped steeped in the in the classics um there's american bar there as well which is great um it's such a cool bar it's got a big courtyard at the back of it so james's and i do kind of a med- more my personal style of food there so it's kind of mediterranean snacks and 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 tapas and some large plates as well um so we do that and um and then norma is a restaurant we opened um last year in in fitzrovia just on charlotte street which is uh it's a project I've been working on for years. Um, that I, well, not working on, not years, but a couple of years. And I wanted to. I was going to kind of do this on my own before I joined Stafford, anyway. So we kind of uh, we, we we launched it, and um, yeah, it's great. It was great. Uh, Sicilian food um, over five floor, Georgian townhouse, um, and yeah, great area, Fitzrovia. So um, yeah, it's, it, it was a real it was a real hit. You know, we we really hit the ground running with it, and uh, very busy, and all the rest of it six months in and, and then obviously the lot you know we got locked down um so we're just kind of in the process of looking how we're going to relaunch it you know yeah nice yeah i always feel guilty i feel we should just stop the uh the podcast with the intros because it's all normally yeah it was brilliant everything was going well and then all yeah. hell broke loose and then i feel guilty because i'm, I'm going to make you um talk about it in in a minute but um uh, as well as the restaurants, you've got uh, a few books, but the most recent one, uh, Moorish. The, the pictures in that book are absolutely stunning. It made me want to get on a plane. I'm not allowed to get on a plane, unfortunately, but absolutely yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Book, books love love kind of the book side of things. Um, yeah, Moorish uh, came out last year, which was um, yeah again just really a. a, 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 a a culmination of all recipes and uh, from you know Spain, Italy, um, you know a bit of Portugal in there as well. But it's all like the kind of the the Moorish and the you know the North African influences in those countries. So mainly kind of the, the southern regions. Um, and so yeah, it was um, it was a really really nice nice book to do that one with a photography uh, chap called Chris Kirkham. Um, who I've worked with for ages, so he really kind of gets the food and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's a real, real, really nice one to do that. And then I've just finished writing um, another one, which is out next year, um, which will be all about Sicily. So it's kind of a love, a love letter to Sicily, and uh, yeah, it's um, some influence from Norma, but mainly kind of I've tried to do kind of not so you know because there's a lot there's a lot of Sicilian cookbooks out there, and they're all quite the same. They've got the same kind of recipes in there. So I've tried to kind of really 
dig a bit deeper and do some of my own spins on things. So hopefully it'll be, hopefully it'll be quite different. So yeah. Was lockdown useful in helping you finish that? Oh yeah, very much so. Very much so. I mean, that was kind of one of the, one of the upsides was I was just able to get my head down and, you know, I think I handed it in like a month early, which again is absolutely (laughs) what's going on here. But obviously, you know, I, I I had the time and, um, just, you know, doing some recipe testing at home and yeah, it was, uh, there are some benefits to a, uh, to a pandemic at least, I suppose. Um, So I've not I've not been to Skegness and I've also not been to uh, Sicily. Oh, I'm not just picking people's people things that start with S. But what is it about Sicily apart from the annual Couscous Festival, which yeah. made me chuckle? Uh, what is it that you love about Sicily so much? Yeah, I like the. Um, it's a real contrast of. Um, I mean, I think the fact that the, the history of Sicily is is incredible. I mean, they've been invaded so many times by so many different kind of people and countries and so on um, for sustained periods of time. So, you know, you really get all this kind of mix of, of weird, a weird mix of cultures and, uh, po- you know, poverty, brushing shoulders with kind of, you know, uh, extreme wealth. And it's just, it's a real hodgepodge, but it kind of works together. Um, so, yeah, you know, the food, the, the, you know, that's kind of reflected in the food. You know, it's kind of, there's a real, um, there's a real kind of North African uh influence there with the food and um I, I you know spices and dried fruits things that you would find you'd expect to find kind of in morocco and but they've kind of made it their own cuisine so they've they've kind of used those ingredients and techniques and then kind of put their own spin on things um and i, I don't know it's just such a it's just such a fascinating place and i think not just the food um the fact that they've got uh not sorry not just the food i think their attitude towards life and um and you know their it, it, that that's kind of sets it apart because you know they it's all about their their lunchtime that what they're drinking um that takes you know their family that takes priority over everything you know over work and all that kind of thing and it's just a really kind of refreshing um it's a refreshing way, way of life I, I i absolutely love it in fact i would like to move there oh and they they make they make the most probably the best wine in the world in sicily i would say particularly around mount etna because of the i think the terroir is just so amazing and their volcanic kind of soil and so on but i, I don't know i think some of the best wines come from, from sicily certainly so it, for me it's paradise mm, amazing sounds uh, sounds awesome you were there in february is that right I went there in February. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I went there. Um, yeah, just to do a bit of research, and you know, because that's my thing. So I try and go a couple of times a year um, if I can. So yeah, I went. I was. I, I went in. Uh, I went in February. So I don't know when I'm going to be back next. Hopefully this year. I mean, it's all kind of clear there. I've got um, two or three people who work for me here from Sicily, and it's kind of all clear. And you know, they have very very little. Um, covid activity in sicily it's been it's been very low-key so um, oh, really? yeah yeah no really really yeah it's been one, one of the one of the lowest spots in 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 kind of around the mediterranean yeah that that little bit of water between them and the italian yeah. mainland yeah, yeah. Uh, doing its doing its bit yeah absolutely yeah awesome well i will uh yeah i will i will check it out and uh like i say certainly certainly the pictures look good so um, before we come back then into into sort of covid and norman we, we will focus on that just very briefly to touch on your history you you weren't really particularly interested in, in food when you were younger or albeit your parents were involved in it but you did happen to have a, a mate who was rather nifty in the kitchen <laughs> jason atherton is it is it true that without him you know you may not have ended up in this career oh um yeah no 100 100 i mean i i think as, as i was saying earlier i i um for me it was all about getting out of Skegness and moving to London. And so I think I was kind of looking at any opportunity to do that as quickly as possible. You know, I did my, I did, a, I did a year of my A-levels, dropped out and then had a year um, kind of dossing about, for want of a better word. And then my, I can't remember how it came about, but, um, but yeah, I think Jason Atherton um, wasn't mates at the time. He's a bit older than me, um, but I for a mate of a mate or something like that. We got talking and it, it came about that it said we well, should move to you know get if you want to move to London, you know, become a chef. There's loads of jobs there. That kind of thing. I was like, right, okay, become a chef. Never really thought about that before. Um, so you know, spoke to my mum. Got all kind of signed up to go to the local college, 
and uh, and I did that. Went to college, didn't really like it. I have to say, it was it was a bit naff. And looking back on it, it was it wasn't a great college. Um, Boston College, just outside of Skegness. But what opportunity came up at the time was uh, so Jason Atherton moved back to Skegness for a while. So he he worked in London from the age of sixteen. Um, at the likes of Harvey's and Pierre Kaufman and all the rest of it. And then he moved back um, for a year and he set up at a local golfing hotel in Skegness as head chef, looking for an apprentice. And um, my parents knew the owners and lots of connections. Anyway, I ended up working with Jason in Skegness for a year whilst going to college and um, like his kind of work experience. And he was just, I know what you're saying, he was such an inspiring person to work for. You know, we were cooking this, amazing food um that nobody seen the likes of it in Skegness and it, to be honest we were it wasn't very successful because you know, nobody got the food but it was all kind of you know Marco Pierre White kind of you know white heat type food and it, I was absolutely blown away by it really kind of got me and he's a very in, he's a very inspiring person anyway and he's like look you've got you've got you've, you've you've got to go to London. If you want to be a chef, you've got to go to London and kind of do that. I was like, okay, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So he kind of set me up and um, made some intros and all the rest of it and, and managed to get my first job. Um, I hadn't finished college uh, by that time either. So it was just kind of, a, you know, I went with that six month college under my belt and he got me um, my first position at the Ritz with uh, David Nichols because he knew the sous chef there um so i did a year there which um i hated i have to say really did not like it um, too too formal or? yeah too formal too you know i was eight, i was 18 you know and it was like thought i was jack the lad in skegness and i moved you know and then basically i was, you know it was pretty old school draconian you know the horror stories you hear about old school um you know hotel kitchens and things like it was it was, it was all that lots of bullying and all that kind of thing um so but I, hang on before you before you carry on i've just got to ask did that did that golf course have any idea like have you been back the two of you the fact that you were both working there at the same time because golf courses are quite often sort of you know bacon sandwich over yeah, uh yeah, over yeah. a corporate event and stuff like that have, have you been back and said look what we've done oh yeah they, 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 you know they 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 yeah we, we go back quite a lot and yeah they 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 know they know they've got we, they got a poster of you two boys on the wall going that they learned they learned it all here uh, yeah not that i haven't seen it but they, you know they, they may well have i mean they're they're, they're they're proud of us, and you know we're and we're proud of Skegness. Okay, but yeah, I, I, I ran a golf course for a little while, so I'm just laughing. Funny enough, I took I took a, I employed a chef a few years later who yeah. who was there. So yeah, but, uh, yeah so the, the Ritz didn't inspire you, but it was um, the uh, it was heading off to the uh, it was Italian restaurant, I think, was it that, that actually got you sort of excited about food? Yeah, no, where it came at was actually the next the next place I went to. So so then after all that, so it was at the, yeah, then Jason moved back to London. Um, so that place in Skegness didn't work so right I'll get come back to London and we both uh, ended up uh, he got me a job um, a restaurant called Coast which uh, was just over the you know not over the road from the Ritz on Albemarle Street and uh, Jason went in there as sous chef and there was a head chef there called Stephen Terry um, who's now got the Hardwick in Abergavenny but amazing chef worked for Marco sat at the canteen all that kind of thing um, and it was kind of it was uh, Pacific Rim cookery, you know, kind of, um, so kind of, you know, he, Stephen had spent a lot of time in California working at like Chez Panisse and, and, uh, uh, and, and these kind of, um, and uh, those kind of places. And we did this restaurant called Coast, which was set up by Oliver Payton. He was the, he was the, the money man behind it. Groundbreaking restaurant. It was fantastic. And it was such a nice, very busy, very, very, very hard work. Um, you know, even by writ standards, it was it was much longer hours and, you know, all sorts of things. But because it was such a nice environment and such a great team, everybody was kind of happy to do the hours. And that's kind of where I started to fall in, in love with food then, because it was just it was a nice it was a nice place where everybody cared about food and it wasn't hugely competitive and all those things. So that's kind of when I started to started to fall into it. Um, and then, yeah, and then worked at a couple more places, worked for Marcus for a while, worked with Marcus uh, at, um, Lauren, when he was at Lauren J for a while, uh, and bits and bobs. And then, yes, and then ended up, um, basically where it all kind of properly started was I ended up working at a restaurant called El Duca, which is an Italian restaurant as sous chef. Um, and it was on an interim thing. I was waiting for Jason to open another restaurant and ended up staying at El Duca for two and a half years. Um, yeah, starting as sous chef, ended up as head chef there and just completely then that was, that was kind of what 
yeah, it all kind of made sense to me then. Italian food, simplicity, produce, seasonality, all those things that everybody bangs on about now. But then it was, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't that kind of stuff then. You know, there was only a handful of places that were um, really doing seasonality properly and getting beautiful peaches in summer from, you know, Sicily and all that kind of thing. And that was one of the places. And that's kind of where, where it all kind of fell into place for me working there. Yeah. Mm. Why, why did that make such a difference, that sort of following the seasons, provenance of food? What, what was it that excited you about that? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was all that. And it was also that, you know, things tasted much better. And, you know, we get, we were getting amazing deliveries of these seasonal things at the right time. And it was, of course, better. Um, I don't know, just something clicked in my head. I, I, you know, some, you know, I guess it's what makes a chef go, you know, down the fine dining route and, you know, want to, you know, put 58 things on, the, on one plate. Or what makes a chef, you know, want to just put two or three things on? You know, it, it's I guess it's down to, down to the person. But I I I loved it, and I was inspired by the head chef there when I started. I was sous chef, and yeah, he was literally, you know, it was I, I could hear him on the phone, and you know, it had to be seasonal. And we were getting the lemons in that were kind of beautiful leafy lemons that you know, like the likes you get from the tour now. I'd never seen those before. We'd never got those, even even working for Michelin star chefs. We'd never got lemons in like that, or you know, it was it was it was if it was a lemon, it was a lemon. They didn't know there was different types of lemons. You know what I mean? And um, so it was it it was just a completely different outlook. Um, You know, don't get me wrong. The food that I was cooking when I was working with Jason and all those kind, you know, it was. It it, it it was fantastic, but it wasn't. It was never about the produce, really. Um, you know, it was about the. It was all about the cooking and the and and the plating. But we didn't really talk about, you know, where that lemon came from or you know where that meat came from. It just came from the butcher, and that that all changed when when I started w- w- working at El Duca. So, yeah. um, do you think there's but there's been a bigger shift in that sort of industry wide over the last few years as well? Oh, yes, I mean, hundred percent. I think you know you go. Yeah, don't think there's any doubt about that you know everywhere you know from the local pub in Skegness to you know three Michelin star restaurant here now it's all about naming the naming the breed and doing all you know and all this all that kind of thing it's 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 commonplace now it really is but um but it's it, it isn't a na- it's not naturally a British um uh, way of looking at food I think I think it's very much a, it's, a, it's a Mediterranean you know it's kind of if you go to Mediterranean Italy, you know they are all about, you know, produce and 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 even down to a home cook, you know, wanting to know where things come from and you know arguing with the market stallholder and that kind of thing. That's where that mentality comes from, and it's been kind of passed down. So yeah, I, yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I think although it is the case now in a lot of ooh. restaurants, and it's probably not in a lot of restaurants as well, you know, particularly maybe the sort of the growth of the uh, casual dining sector or, or, or maybe they pretend to be. But I know um, Henry Dimbleby's come out today, hasn't he, with his, with his sort of national f- yeah, food strategy. And, th- and there was a couple of bits in there that really stood out. And one, and you mentioned it actually just now with, with Sicily and how long people spend dining, but it's that sort of shocking statistic that it's something like two and a half to three hours a day eating in, in sort of Euro- continental Europe. And then it was something like an hour and 15 minutes in Britain. So yeah. although a lot of the restaurants have gone that way, it still feels that we've got this this disconnect at home still would, would you agree with that yeah yeah 100 percent. I, th- I, I think so we, i mean it's just it's just you know i don't know how, you know that's not gonna that's kind of not really gonna change you know what i mean we, we're it's it, there's so many factors involved in it i mean the fact of the matter is if you take sicily again as an example you know it's so hot there right so you need to take the time doing things you know more slowly and take you know that you know whereas here it's it it, you know, th- th- there's the climate. There's all sorts of things that affect it. That affects kind of how you react around food and uh, around other life activities. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, we we I suppose we're slight. We're kind of we are heading in in a in a positive direction. I would say, but um, you know, I I, I I think we've got a long way to go. So. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of conversations with sort of producers of, of food, so not not just sort of at the, the operator end, I guess, but you know the, the the farmers and I don't know beekeepers and all sorts of stuff. And in fact, I was chatting to a guy from Riverford Organics uh, a few weeks ago, and he sort of thinks that it's probably getting better mm. and worse at the same time because yeah. there's, there's clearly a lot of people who are starting to recognise the kind of you know the, the, the impact of modern agriculture on the environment and how what yeah. we eat is so important. Yeah. But then there's a lot of people who are just well, driven by price, I guess, and yeah. that's been the slightly depressing thing in, in, in probably the oversupply of restaurants I suppose in the yeah. last few years that that's not always been at the quality end of the market but I also think and this isn't this you know I'm 
not to, don't want to generalize here, but I think we also like the idea of it all more than the actual doing of it. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. we're we're very good at kind of you know talking the talk, right? But I think um, you know, it, 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 but ultimately we've kind of got got this. Uh, streak in it that, that likes convenience and fast and you know particularly living in London and you know it's so fast and you know that kind of thing so I think I, I, I think we we it's it's kind of not natural to us somehow do you know what I mean yeah I, I do yeah and and I think also we're reluctant to pay for that that lemon with with sort of leaves on it yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. actually does taste better because that was the other thing that jumped out I only had a very quick look at, at the report I've not read it properly yet yeah. but uh, I think it was something like eight percent of uh of our income goes on food in the UK and it's something like 13% again in Spain or Italy yeah. or wherever it was referring to. Yeah. And yeah. We just, we just don't seem to uh, necessarily give, give enough credence to that uh, additional spend and quality. Right. I suppose. Quite right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we can't fix that in the next uh, 30 minutes. No, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, so, so just to go back to your journey a little bit, then what, what was the trigger for you to head off to, uh, to Scotland? Because that looked like an absolutely stunning location, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Why, why leave London? Well, so that was an interesting one. So I, while, while I was at college, um, for that short kind of period, I think I actually said it was six months, it was probably a little bit longer, about eight months and did some work experience with Jason. One of the thing, other things I did was spend, uh, a month in Scotland um, at a place called Crinan Hotel as part of my college training, and they've got a relationship with the hotel. So I did a month or so up there in, in the summer and actually got on really well with the owners, really liked it. I mean, I was only kind of, you know, again, 18 or whatever, but um, I really enjoyed it. So anyway, while I was um, uh, at Alduka, um, the owners completely by chance came in to the restaurant to eat and I was in the restaurant and I was like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, wow, I haven't seen you for so long. And anyway, that, 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 that was that. And this was kind of towards the end of my um, tenure at El Duca and I was thinking about what next to do. So it was all kind of a bit serendipitous. Um, but literally the next day they called me and said, do you want, uh, look, we're looking for a head chef, uh, someone set the hotel kind of uh, forward. Are you interested? And it's a real long shot because, you know, I was based in London. I think I'd just got married at that stage. Um, and anyway, long, long and short of it is I took – it happened, took the position, and it was a it was a brilliant thing to do. I think, you know, I wanted to do it um, because of my – you know, because I really liked the hotel and I really liked my um, – I really liked the owners. I think, you know, I, I – I, I, it was a real – I think it was a real chance to kind of start getting – you know, get myself – on the map there, um, you know, and it, 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 say it all had a good re- reputation. I like the idea of, you know, it being, because it was really produce led up there, simply by choice. You know, you, there, there was a deli- like very remote in those days, you know, there's a couple of deliveries a week, if that. So you had to use local farms and all these kind of things by just because you had to. So it, it was it was a really interesting um, proposition. And so, I yeah, just decided to take it. My wife was behind it. Um, um, we we could do it. it. We had no other ties other than that, you know, no kids, no mortgage at that stage, you know. So we so we just did it, and you know, within a month, I was kind of up there. And yeah, it was. I think the first year was a bit challenging. Um, in way, you know, I was kind of like, oh, oh, what have I done? And you know, because it was very different, you know, West Highland Hotel versus a you know super fast London restaurant. You can imagine the um the contrast between the two you know and they very different ways of doing things but i think after the first year i kind of got my head around it and loved it absolutely loved it it was fantastic yeah. it really was you know and on so many levels again you know just you know I, you know i did i did well there you know without sounding you know arrogant i did I, I did well there um helped you know take it up a notch and was recognized for it um it was the most gorgeous place to live you know, um, it was very quiet in the winter, hectic in the summer, uh, very seasonal. Um, I learned lots of news. You know, we, you know, it was, it was it was brilliant. You know, food wise, you know, business wise. I bought a house up there that did really well. It was it was fantastic. And then three years of that, and then yeah, and then then came came back came back to London. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a beautiful part of the world, isn't it? I have I have been to that area. If if you were having to very much rely on sort of local produce, mm. could you use that that Mediterranean influence of food that you you'd got into? Could you use that there, or, or did you have to follow the sort of more more British style? I did. Yeah, I I think um, yeah yes, I did more more British, and also I have to say the customer base. Um, 
So I kind of did, it was a bit of Mediterranean, certainly a bit of Mediterranean uh, stuff going on there. But yeah, I kind of reverted, I think there I, I reverted probably back to the, the stuff that I was, I was doing before El Duca. Um, and, but, but, but also very, some very, you know, it's very seafood focused. So I was doing, you know, I was doing, doing lots of, lots of quite simple, um, simple seafood stuff. But yeah, I I used um, I had to use I had to use local produce, and it just seemed fitting um, for particularly for the restaurant. There was a restaurant, there was a bar. There was also to to to, to do slightly more kind of um, modern European kind of cuisine than the Mediterranean, I suppose. So, um, but yeah, no, it was it, honestly it was such a such a good move. I think a lot of people thought I was mad. <laughs> and we don't even long and yeah the first year was saying but yeah it was, it was brilliant uh, I, I i took a look on the website and as soon as i saw that incredible view uh out the window i didn't think you were mad at all in fact you're probably the opposite i thought you were slightly mad to give give that up yeah. and come back to london but yeah what what was the trigger did you get offered a job again by somebody walking into a restaurant uh, in scotland well, i or? think i was you know reading i mean this is well, for kind of social media then, but i think you know i was missing i was still very young i wasn't i think i you know i was like 28 or 29 and I kind of thought, you know, this is great, but it's very comfortable. I couldn't, you know, there wasn't really going to be, I wasn't really going to be going anywhere. Let's face it, you know, the hotel um, was, had had reached its, um, you know, they weren't going to open anything else or whatever. Um, and I just thought it's time. And, you know, my wife at the time was, was even younger than me. Um, so she was kind of ready to go back, you know, and she was kind of a history of art. Um, she, you know, she, she, done a history of art degree and all the rest of it and she wanted to kind of wasn't much really to do yeah, <laughs> a bit, bit more culture required yeah exactly that so you know we we were missing a bit of you know we we were young so it was kind of you know get back to london i was in touch with my mates and lots of opportunities um and yeah so london was calling again and it was it was right i came back with a fresh really fresh kind of approach to it and then um and then got back and i, I actually had i think i had about six months when I moved back to London, I had about five or six months off, just eating out and catching up with people. I didn't didn't do anything, and then um, and then it then it was Salt Yard. That's when when I got into Salt Yard. Yeah, where you stayed for quite a long time, I think, didn't you? Yeah, twelve years. Twelve years. Yeah. Good, good going. Opened quite a lot of venues. What's your sort of favourite? Uh, I don't know memories or learnings about your time there because that that must have been a real period of development. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. Um, it was it was really good. I think. Uh, oh, I mean, so 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 many great memories. But I think you know, Yard was a um, was a particular highlight. I think because of I you know, really got into this. Um, well, submerging myself in Spanish cuisine, whilst it was Italy and Spain, a, a mix of. But I hadn't had a huge amount of experience of Spanish, the Spanish side of things. So I absolutely submerged myself in in Spanish cuisine and books and culture, and you know went travelling around Spain. But MBR in particular, because of the grill, you know, we were grit, we were one of the first restaurants to kind of do uh, set up, you know, proper charcoal wood grill. And kind of cook like that. Um, I think you know pretty much every restaurant I, I know has got one now. But and that was our thing. And you know we we talked about the charcoal that we were using and different types of charcoal and wood and all that. And at the time it was brand new, you know. And we 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 really got um, we we you know we I really got into that. And I think that was that was fantastic. You know we wrote a book. I wrote a book off the back of that um, off, off the back of that restaurant, Grill Smoke Barbecue. Um, and yeah, that, 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 that was a highlight, but it was all, it was all good. You know, we, um, I think, you know, we slightly towards the end, you know, I'm, I can, I'm quite happy to say, but we, you know, we slightly lost our way in terms of, um, uh, you know, we'd kind of, you know, sold, so I was, I was a partner and, and, and director and all the rest of that, you know, we'd sold, we sold some of the business to venture capitalists and then, you know, that kind of changed the direction as, as you would expect. But at the time it was kind of, oh, this is the right thing to do. We're going to be, all be millionaires and all that kind of thing. And then, was, was, was the offer of the VCs, was that to grow the business further? Was that the plan? Yeah, to grow the business further and expand and all that, you know, and, 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 and from being a, essentially a family business, even with four sites or three sites, whatever it was, four sites, we, um, you know, it was, it, 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 that was the whole ethos of, of Salt Yard Group. Was it was family run? We could make decisions quickly and react quickly, and all the rest of it. And then as soon as the VCs came on board and one of the partners left, you know, it, 
it, it changed the dynamic. You know, it it, it just did. So, um, and, and, and that seems to happen a lot. I think isn't it? is that is that one of the key learnings? Is it because because sometimes I was chatting to the Honest Burgers guys a, a little while ago, and they were really happy with the sort of VCs they had involved, mm. and they were they were sort of uh, on on a joint uh, trajectory, I suppose. But but most of the time, yeah, um, yeah, I, I you know I seem to hear these negative stories about a real change in in culture and focus, yeah. and all of a sudden, you yeah. know, board meetings become a terrifying experience yeah. rather than a chance for a cup of coffee and a strategy uh, yeah what, what 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 was your i don't know i suppose your thoughts on it you know across the industry do you think that became a little a little bit of a problem or? yeah i mean i think so i think you know some i i i kind of think what you're going in for it for i mean we wanted to expand but you know so you say like honest burgers i would imagine great because it's a great streamlined concept and all you can what they're going to do is another honest burger you know so and another honest but you know so they're going to roll out an honest burger concept and that, for me, that suits the um, the VC kind of, you know, framework perfectly. But for us, we still didn't, you know, and what we'd said to the VCs in the beginning is that we don't want to do a load of salt yards. You know, we want to do, we want to grow this family of restaurants. So, you know, they're all individual, you know, Opera Tavern was a pub, you know, and there was a theme and a thread. But because of that, it just kind of jarred with the whole VC thing. So we wanted to do one place different, you know, do you know what I mean? It wasn't a rollout, is what I'm saying, and I think that's that was a big part of the problem. Uh, Were they involved pre or post Veneta? Uh, um, no, pre, no pre pre Veneta. Yeah, yeah. No, Veneta was, I guess, the uh, the fight, the kind of the nail in the coffin. So I, you know, we that was a, I mean, that was a big risk that site, and it cost us an absolute arm the leg. Um, it, it did, you know, that it was very different from what we'd done uh, with the rest of it in terms of spend. You know, a lot of the restaurants, we haven't, you know, haven't spent a huge amount of them on them to set them up. You know, just made them look as nice as we could. But Veneta, we had very high finishes and all the rest of it. Location was a big question mark. Um, it's, you know, it still is. God, I'm, you know, I'm glad, that I'm, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's a real odd area that. But, yeah, it was. Um, and then, obviously, once that wasn't working, um, you know, then then you're under pressure. You're under pressure from the VCs. You know, once something's not working, they want to know why, and you know, so it all just got a bit. It all got a bit horrible, and then that was kind of the that was the that was the time to go. Yeah, good good learning opportunity, though, I suppose, because it's a pretty common sort of trajectory in our in our industry over the last few years, I guess, isn't it? So so good good to get it out of the way and learn from it, I suppose. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, so I, I don't think I'd put my myself in that situation again. I don't think it's. Um, yeah, I, I I just wouldn't, you know. It's it's that that's a, a chapter gone. But um, you know, I talk you know I talk to people about it, and you know, and can give can give advice on it. But I think you have to go in for the right reasons. I don't think we I don't think we went in, into it. it we having thought it through properly, to be honest. Yeah, because it is often a temptation, I think, isn't it? If you've got three or four, you know, decent venues, and you think, yeah, let's. Um, I, I I speak from experience of, of having three or four and haven't haven't gone for the uh, for investment, but often think, oh yeah, I wonder what wonder what we'd achieved uh, if we had had. But yeah, just couldn't couldn't bring myself to think about exactly yeah. that. I suppose those those board meetings with somebody else in control or putting pressure on, and yeah. I suppose take, fundamentally taking the fun out of it. So the benefit is is cash, and I guess if you get the right people, because in some ways you, you've sort of teamed up with the uh the Stafford and who, who owns the Stafford um so there's one uh there's one guy who own who owns it um it's uh, he's an Egyptian uh chap called um Dr Ahmedi oh god I can't even pronounce his second name to be honest with you but I can anyway but don't, don't worry there's, yeah. one, there's one guy who owns owns who owns the group um so the group so we have a there's a group says so Stafford Hotel uh, Stafford Collection also owns Northcote Manor up in Lancashire, right. um, which has Scott Michelin star, uh, Norma, and he's got lots of businesses all over the world. Yeah. He's, 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 I suppose the, re- the reason I ask is because I know you, you thought about um, you know going out and, and setting up on your own, I suppose, and then, and then this opportunity came along. And is that... Is that beneficial? Because presumably, you know, having having somebody with with some cash behind you is advantageous as long as the relationship is right. Exactly that. Exactly that. I mean, I yeah. I mean, this I I had it already, and you know, we'd I'd had a site and everything before um, before I I joined the joined the Stafford collection, and and how it came about. The site, by the way, it, it fell through, and I was kind of looking around, uh, and it was really uh, there's a chap called Stuart Proctor who is. He's the CEO of the group. Um, he's a mutual friend of, of, of 
friends of mine, Jason being one of them, and Joe Barnes from Source Communications. And they hooked me and Stuart up, um, see if there's any kind of synergy. And that, this is how we came upon this together. So I, I got the concept ready. Um, and it was like, okay, well, let's, let's kind of do this. Um, but, but my role was also to kind of oversee the Stafford and other future projects that, that, that we're doing. Um, another project that actually will launch next month uh, is, a, is uh, something I've been working on. is called Galio, which is um, it's a pizza concept. And um, initially it's takeaway. We've got Dark Kitchen in Waterloo. Um, it's kind of like Mediterranean pizza and antipasti and things, takeaway delivery, and then that will become a uh, bricks and mortar when the time's right. So, okay. um, but is, is that using the um, sort of delivery mechanism? Is it rather yeah, delivery mechanism, dark kitchen? Um, but you know, it's a, a nice. It's a nice concept. It's kind of when I, I don't want to say healthy pizzas, but uh, but wholesome pizzas, I guess. And there's a real Mediterranean vibe, very much kind of you know my my my, my type of type of food uh everything homemade antipasti salads things like that um yeah homemade desserts yeah, nice um, n- n- nice to be able to test stuff like that i suppose if you're thinking bricks and mortar at some point yeah. quite quite nice to put it out into the digital ether i suppose and, yeah, and give it a test that. as well yeah so yeah so that's all so you know so my role is you know norma is kind of obviously my my focus that's where i'm based but part of my role is to oversee other other businesses you know the, the you know i think things will obviously slowed now for this year but there was always going to be an, an appetite with this group to, to grow businesses. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. So 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 feels more like a partnership then, presumably. Yeah. Nice. So uh, the, the the normal idea then, even if you'd done your your own restaurant and that and that had come through, would that have felt very much the same? Were you pretty much given the freedom with a sort of design and menu to do it yeah. as per your vision? Yeah. So, certainly, I think menu wise, um, yeah, menu wise and all that kind of thing. You know, one one hundred percent. I think in terms of design um and you know it's you know don't get me wrong i i absolutely love norma it's great but i think because of the luxury feel of the stafford and um the uh the, you know it's, it's a stafford collection is a luxury collection the owner wanted a it to feel quite luxurious and that's that i mean that's listen that's that's a nice thing to have so the finish at norma is probably not something I would have done on my own. Probably wouldn't have been able to afford it. <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you. Um, but it's but it's still nice. In, it's still kind of you know stylish, cool, all those things. But there is a real luxe feel to it, and that's probably not something I would have, as I've said, w- would have done any because I couldn't afford it. Um, but that's a nice problem to have, if you know what I mean. It's a nice, it's it's a nice thing to have. Um, but no, it's um, yeah, it's 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 it's. it's it's you know it feels very much my concept so well it is my yeah. concept so yeah, yeah. M- menu wise though that's much more in line with your style yeah oh yeah yeah no, yeah 100 percent, yeah this is the game bird you know was existing anyway i kind of took it on um there's a head sh- uh, executive chef at the hotel joseph rogulski who basically looks after everything over there i'm kind of the you know i'm i'm a, I'm a soundboard for him and you know i get involved in menu tastings and and direction and all that kind of thing but that's his you know he, he's very much the game bird food that's his passion um so i you know i let him get on with that because you know it's um you know that's it's, it's it's authentic it's natural but yeah norma's norma's my thing and yeah galio as well you know it's kind of very much my my style of food i love love kind of mediterranean food you know it's it's uh, it's my thing yeah. So uh, customer-wise, then at, at the Norma, so the, the, I know um, the Stafford is, am I right in saying, has got sort of predominantly US-centric kind of guests, I guess. Is, is a lot of the Norma guests people coming from the hotel or has it actually found its sort of niche in the local market as yeah, well? Yeah, I think more niche in the local market. I mean, obviously, um, in the good in the good old days, or the, we will see the good old days again, but, you know, the hotel was absolutely pumping and, you know, guests were staying... Uh, I think the average is something like 2.5 nights or something like that. Guests were staying, so our concierges were sending. You know, they'd have a, a, a meal in the Game Bird or the American Bar, and then yeah, our concierges were sending you over to Scots or Sheikids or whatever it was. Um, and um, you know, then part part of the idea to do a restaurant from the end's perspective was okay. Well, let's send them to one of our restaurants, which is Norma over in Fitzroy. So we get a bit of that, um, but yeah, largely it was it's become. Uh, a, destina- a destination in, in, in its own right. And, um, you know, it's po- it's been very popular in Fitzrovia. I guess there's, you know, existing fans of myself and and stuff I've done in the past. 
Um, and yeah, you know, it's found its it's found its own niche. We've got a nice nice database, and that's nice to see. You know, we've opened up bookings and so on for next week, and you know, we've got a good amount of our regulars coming back. And you know, there's no passing trade here at the minute, so we won't be getting any walk-ins for the next few weeks until things open up here. So it is all going to be people booking uh and coming yeah it's not going to be walking yeah tough tough so so yeah location like that that was the reason for not opening from the 4th of july then basically is it the city is is fundamentally still yeah. very quiet yeah. yeah oh very much so i mean i think um yeah i mean you know don't get me wrong people have opened around around the west end from from the 4th of july i think mainly in um you know the from what i see i live in east london and um you know kind of victoria park that neck of the woods and, you know, everywhere seems quite busy, um, you know, weekends and things like that. And there's a lot of footfall and it's because people are staying in their neighbourhoods and, you know, uh, but kind of happy to go out. But, yeah, it, it, the, the West End is, um, is, 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 is still very quiet. And, you know, there was part of us where, should we wait till September even to kind of open and just keep, you know, the furlough going and all that. But anyway, we've decided jointly to um to, to to open next week and we'll see how we go we're pleasantly surprised with the bookings and we've had some good news today that um uh there will be the the the, the councils are providing outside seating on the roads in parts of london like in soho so cordoning off kind of sections of the road in areas like charlotte street and dean street in soho and so we will be get gaining uh outside seating we only had six six to begin with um, we'll be gaining uh, between eight and twelve seats outside uh, in two weeks' time, which is which, which is gold, basically. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that for diners as well, or is that just for drinking? Or? No, dining, dining. Yeah, yeah, excellent. That's really good, isn't it? It's, it's nice to see. Uh, yeah, that I don't know. All, all too often, it feels as a sector that we're, we're not particularly helped, but there, there does seem to have been some recognition in yeah. the last few months about the importance of hospitality. I yeah, guess. yeah. Well, third big, biggest industry, isn't it? You know, I think um, there's been a lot of drum banging about it, but it is. It's, it's listen. It's, it's 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 a big part of the, the industry. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's the fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. What, what What's your thoughts and expectations then for the next few months? And I suppose, is there anything you would like to see happen? I don't, I don't know whether that's whether that's government led or, or consumer led, but yeah, what, what's going to help? What's going to help? Uh, well, I think the key things are, I mean, rent's obviously a big one. Um, that's, I think, the biggest, the biggest one. I think, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think the government has done a lot. To be honest, I don't, you know, I don't see, um, I'm not expecting a huge amount more from the government, to be honest. Um, I think, I don't know if they can assist some way in getting this rent structure, but ultimately it's got to be a, a, a rent based on revenue, I think, is the only way that we're going to, you know, certainly for the next couple of years. I can't see how, you know, we're, we're, we're going to kind of uh, get out of it without that one. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people are saying the same, particularly around the West End where the rents are high and all that. So that may come straight from landlords, or it may need some intervention from the government to, with the landlords. There's lots of discussion about all how it's how it's going on at the minute. But I think for us, it's the the rent thing is key. Um, you know, I'm not gonna. You know, I've spent probably the past three months speculating about what's going to happen and what's not going to happen and all the rest of it. Nobody's got a bloody clue, to be honest with you. Nobody has got a clue what is going to happen. Um, and so I'm very much, you know, very, being quite pragmatic about it now. We'll take it a week at a time. You know, we've, we're opening up. We've got a very, uh, we've got a skeleton stat, a skeleton team. Uh, we've still got people on furlough, um, and we'll, we'll hopefully bring back as and when as soon as we can. Uh, we've got a short menu. We're going to give it a whirl. You know, I, I, it sounds quite uh, re- relaxed. You know, there's been definitely some not relaxed times. Um, but I'm, I'm just, you know, it's, we're just going to have to take it a week at a time. Yeah, no, I think I think this is exactly the right approach. And I spoke to a lot of people mm. during lockdown about, you know, what, what they were doing and how they were managing and keeping in touch with the teams and all that kind of stuff. But now I think, I don't know, I think we're all also just a little bit exhausted and go, right, well, we can't just sit here, can we? Let's let's open the doors. And, and, and having dealt with that level of trauma and sort of hour by hour decisions, I think now it's just a case of like, let's try it. Exactly that. I think the most exhausting bit has been the past six weeks for me. Yeah. Um, you know, six weeks, couple, whatever it is, with the whole the discussions about what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, the Zoom calls, the this, the that, the, you know, all that has been absolutely, it, it really has, that's 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 been it. So that's where I've come to the conclusion, right? Let's just get it open, you know, and we will do our best to, 
to you know to make it work and 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 see how we go. Make the staff the focus. Bring everybody back as soon as we can. Make sure they're safe. Um, and yeah, and that's and, and and you know that's it. That's that's it. To be honest, have you had to make many changes operationally? Have you lost many covers or? Um, yeah, a few. I mean, I think we probably lost about a quarter covers. I mean, it's a tight. It is a tight site. Um, so we've had somebody in to have a look for us. Yeah, we lost covers. We're going to get some temporary screens. Um, what else? Uh, that's kind of it in the main. Um, yeah. You're not in the camp of everybody sort of, you know, behind uh, masks and perspex and all that kind of stuff. Are you keeping well, it reasonably relaxed or? Yeah, we are. Well, yeah. So we're providing, we're, we're providing masks uh, for staff, but we, we, you know, some, some of them want to wear them, some don't. And we're not going to make, we're not going to make the staff wear it. It's not a, you know, it, it, I, I've been to, I've been eating out obviously and see what other people are doing. And it's just a real mixed bag of what people are doing, you know? So, I think uh, we will have everything at the ready. We are going to have to put perspex screens in in certain areas because we we, we have to. Um, so that is that is something we have to do. Um, we've done a shortened menu, obviously, um, that we will play it by ear on a daily basis. See what's what. We've got a very- yeah, what, what's the primary motivation for reducing the the menu? Well, reduce the menu just so we can we can cope with it on a on a um, so to reduce waste, I suppose. Um, We've got a very tight team, certainly for August. We've got a plan to bring people back September, or you know, or before if it's if it's busy. But um, so we've got a tight team that then can manage this reduced menu, hopefully, um, and uh, just kind of streamline, just just basically streamline everything really. Um, and yeah, that's 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 kind of it really. Are we going to do a? We're going to do uh, a takeaway uh, delivery thing in a couple of weeks once we get kind of open and up and running we've got all that lined up i mean you know we're quite we we never we, you know a lot of pe- people did it during the lockdown and towards the end of lockdown we didn't i think we're quite late to the party with it uh, to be honest with you i mean we'll, we'll offer it we're gonna do pasta kits and things like that which some people are doing already and we probably have an online shop to help bolster revenue um so yeah we're, we're gonna yeah. do bits like that but it's all an extension of what we're doing anyway so yeah, well, I think the key thing is, is yeah, not not to waste uh, too much cash by launching all of that stuff, isn't it? Sometimes it's better to sit back and uh, get open, see what the result, response is, exactly and, and then strategize. Yeah, as right. we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, we've done all sorts. Um, I, I know you were fairly open about um, you know, wanting to do more and open more places. Was was there anything else um, that was in the pipeline? And, and and I suppose across the wider industry, do you think there's going to be a reluctance to invest for a little while, or do you think this is going to create some opportunities and some space in in, in the hospitality market? Um, well, from our perspective, um, yeah, I mean, we we you know we we were looking at doing another norma, um, you know, what in whatever whether it was just another Norma or we've got a concept for like a Norma cafe, um, which is a bit more like kind of princey type concept. Um, But I mean, that's all going to be on that, you know, that's, that is all on hold now. I don't know. I I think there will be a reluctance. I mean, I wouldn't, um, no, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to open, I wouldn't want to open something now. I think the uncertainty of another, um, another spike in COVID and so on. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I, I personally think it's quite, it's quite likely to, yeah, we carry on around, uh, around these parts, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's uncertainty. And I think, you know, people working, a lot of people working from home still and probably continue to work from home. I think that's, that's the thing. So it's, I, I personally don't think it's ever going to be quite where we were. Um, even in a couple of years time, it's, it's a, it's a world changer, I think. Um, on, in terms of business, that would be my thing. And I, so I think, no, I think it's going to be quite slow. I mean, listen, there will be, you know, people, you know, restaurants closing and eat cheap rents to pick up and pop-ups and things like that. There will be opportunities. But um, I think for us now, we're just going to lock down and focus on this Galio concept. So, Yeah, much, much more turbulent times, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be? 
Yeah, I think I'm 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 sort of so I'm I'm coastal, I guess, and and, and uh, grateful. Yeah. Difficult, as you know from from your time in Scotland. You know, we're so seasonal. Make all of your cash in the summer, yeah. uh, lose it all again in the winter, and and that roller coaster is frustrating. So in some ways, I've been sort of envious of of cities and and high streets for years. You know, I've chatted to people with restaurants on the high street where they're sort of, you know, their best month and worst month revenue fluctuation is is eight percent, and yeah. mine's more like you know eight hundred percent. And and yeah. and uh, so I, I feel lucky at the moment that I'm I'm on the coast. I've got a couple of big terraces, one that opens right onto the beach. And, right. and I think the next couple of months are, are probably okay. And we're certainly finding at the moment, you know, that people want to sit outside. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very nervous about, I mean, the winters are tough for us anyway, but I, I'm nervous, like you said, you know, second, second spike. Yeah. I just think even if there isn't one, I just think it, it's got harder and harder you know, out of the cities where there isn't, you know, the West End and the entertainment and, and you haven't got that now either. But, you know, we're now competing with Deliveroo, we're competing with Netflix and with Amazon. People aren't bored at home anymore. You yeah. know, they've got the internet and YouTube. Yeah. So it was already hard to get people to go outside on a cold, wet, rainy day. Yeah. And I think if you add the nervousness about, you know, central heating and all the windows shut and, and, and inevitably sitting on top of each other a little bit more. Yeah, I'm very nervous about the winter. And, and for us, it's all about just trying to survive in some way until spring next year and, and hoping things return a little bit to normal but yeah i think it, I, th- I think we're yeah i don't think we've seen the worst of it yet i guess yeah 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 agreed yeah. agreed unfortunately no, no. yeah Nervous times. On on to more sort of positive stuff though, and and, and before you know, it's conscious of time, so we're we're drawing to an end. But I know you've always been very much into the sort of uh, education. You you work yeah. with, um, I think David Ross is an education trust. You teach at various college. What's what's your motivation for you know for, for working with the uh, with the kids or uh, you know with the older kind of uh, adults and learning? Um, I just think you know, I think it's. Um... I, I've always, I, I've, I've always found that I think uh, my mum was a school teacher, and she was kind of involved in kind of lots of things extracurricular to that, to kind of you know training and so on. So maybe I got that from my from my mum. But yeah, I don't know. I just think um, I just like to see I like to see people people progress, you know, genuinely, and um, you know, it's an authentic thing. I like to see people progress. I like to see people learn, um, and and um, I, 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 you know, and and, and kind of get new skills and and things like that i just think it's a it's a pleasurable thing to do i think you know certainly for our our industry um you know there's as well the past few years there's been such a skill shortage and you know difficult to get um uh you know difficult to get staff and so on which is, is not a problem now i have to say <laughs> but um, yeah exactly one extreme to the other isn't it? i know i know but um so you know there's been an element of that as well in terms of trying to inspire people to get into the it's the catering industry and um you know and show them what you know how, what an amazing you know business it can be and all that kind of thing so you know there's a, i suppose there's an element of a, a selfish ele- element to it as well you know the more people in the industry the more the more people there are available to employ but it is genuinely just like to see people people progress and 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 um you know and and learn yeah yeah and, and do you recommend it as a sector because i guess you know again you alluded to this back in the the Ritz kind of old school kitchen culture, uh, and then you finding better kitchen cultures. Do you, do you think the cultures in kitchens has, has generally changed? And, and do you, you know, would you recommend that people go into this sector? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still some, there's still some tough, tough places out there, but it's, it's definitely changed. I mean, I think um, uh, it's, it, yeah, I think it, well, it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of had to really, because again, it was a, a backlash of the skill shortage, you know, a lot of people not wanting to get into the industry, you know, just because of the bad reputation of it. So people have had to look at their, uh, look at how they're operating their kitchens and their 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 working environment, and um, and nurture from within as well. And that all comes from having a nice working environment. So yes, it's it's definitely it's definitely changed. Um, I you know I, I I it's so important to have a have a have a you know a nice kind of healthy environment and and the hours and things like that. I mean you know those days have gone you know you can't have people doing you know 70 80 hours a week you know and all that kind of thing it's just it's just not right and it was just a weird thing anyway that we thought we needed to do that in the hospitality industry and you know we've all done those stupid hours and and whatnot so we we you know we make a point of making sure people do proper hours and you know we were looking at all sorts of things before lockdown obviously this has kind of changed things slightly but you know we were looking to get people on um 
you know, kind of six shifts a week and all that, you know, and, and the same pay and all this kind of thing. So um, it's, it, I don't know where we're going to go from, from, from here, to be honest. It's just, it's just taking it a week at a time at the minute. But Yeah, well, no, it's a big change because the flip side is, I suppose, we, we it does seem with a lot of um, people, we've lost that kind of that hunger. And, and, and you know, we I guess I don't even think we were pretending, but, it, you know, it was, it was often about what you learn, not what you earn, particularly in the early days yeah. and putting in the time and the hours. And, and then there seemed to be this sort of slight sense of, um expectation and and wanting to sort of i don't know jump up through the ranks of the kitchen yeah. a lot quicker i suppose without putting the hours in it's a, it's a tricky balance to get right i think isn't it yeah definitely definitely i mean you know all the kind of whole tv thing has kind of got a lot to answer for in that respect you know he wants to be a, a head chef immediately and you know but um yeah i don't know I, I don't i don't know i think there's still um you know it all comes out in the wash doesn't it you know if you you do two years training and become a head chef, you know, it's not going to, you know, unless there's all the exception, it's not really going to work out, is it? So I think, you know, you know, hard, you know, putting, putting a, uh, let's say hard work, solid work in and doing the right time with a, with a good chef and learning your trade is going to have a lot, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a long lasting career, I think. So. Yeah. And uh final one, Ben, before, before we head off, but what is it you've got against the sweet potato? The sweet potato. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's too, do you know what? Very easy. It's too sweet. It is too sweet for a savory food. There you go. <laughs> I just read in the caterer, I think, when I was when I was looking you up, that, that I can't even remember what the question was, but it's something, some, one of your dislikes, basically. So Too sweet for a savory food. There you go. Okay, no, no, there you go. So it's off. It's not It's not on the menu. <laughs> no, not on the yeah, menu. Yeah. Okay, it's all too often flown over from America anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, probably, it's, probably not, it's probably not environmentally friendly. Right. Well, look, you know, Ben, um, great to catch up, great to, to hear about your journey. Um, I really hope it goes well. I've, you know, I've heard amazing things about Norma. I've not been yet, but I will be making the effort um, to come up and, and, and check it out. But I really hope that the reopening yeah. goes well. Where, where should people go if they want to follow your journey and your adventure, Ben? Where's the best place for them uh, to go? Instagram, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it. So yeah, it's Ben, Ben.Tish. I I'm, I'm spend far too much time on Instagram, so... Okay, perfect. Well, I'll put uh, I'll put a link up from the um, the show notes for the podcast as well uh, okay. on the website. But uh, yeah, good luck. So, what's it, what day is it? It's uh, it's Wednesday. You open on Monday. Yeah. Best of luck. By the time this goes out, you will be open. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks so much, Ben. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. So there you have it. I very much hope you enjoyed my catch up with. Ben and as I said head over to humansofhospitality.co.uk where you will find links on the show notes to his Instagram and his Twitter account and the web link for Norma and there are some beautiful photos also on his Instagram account so well worth checking out Uh, and don't forget if you can do me a favor and buy me a thank you beer or any extra cash that i promise i will only put into the very best kit and the time to find the best guests you can become a patreon supporter of this podcast just head over to the website and click on the big patreon button at the top okay thank you so much i will be back in a week's time with another awesome human of hospitality